This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday the 13th. Busy sports weekend to get to coming up. This is just what the Chiefs do. Also, the latest uh, that I'm going to add to the list of we're all really getting upset about this crap. Taylor Swift was on that list a while back, and now I've got to talk about baseball. But before we get to any of that, plus some fantasy football help coming up in about 20 minutes. But I do want to bring in my friend Phil Mackey from Score North out of the Twin Cities because the story in the National Football League this week has very little to do, in my opinion, of what's going to happen this weekend. We welcome Phil in. Phil, I have to imagine that there is no sports star, no athlete in Minnesota right now that fans love and are sad to see them lose for four weeks than Justin Jefferson. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, Wicket? Yeah, it's, well, so fans are, we just got done recording uh, Purple Daily, which is our, our daily Vikings podcast, where we just, you know, pretty much just complain about the Vikings for the last <laughs> five weeks. But <laughs> but fans are, fans are sort of split because I think everyone sees the writing on the wall here. You know, it's the sixth year of the Kirk Cousins era. He was brought here in 2018 to be the final piece to a Super Bowl winning team. They've only been to the playoffs twice in those six years, and they're not they're not going this year, it looks like. So there's a lot of fans that are saying, you know, I, I'm not, like, bailing off the Vikings bandwagon, but I wouldn't mind them getting the first, second, or third overall pick. I don't think they're going to be that bad. You know, the, the Vikings never really lean into – we've banned the word tanking on Purple Daily because okay. we feel like it's just too negative. We call it, Wicket, an opportunity for roster adjustment going into 2024. <laughs> Okay. So the, the Vikings and the ownership rarely leans into that opportunity. They always, if they start slow, they're going to claw their way back to eight wins and draft 18th, you know, but there's a lot of fans that wouldn't mind a loss against the bears on Sunday. Right. Just saying to, to, to adjust the roster, to grow the roster yep. in the future. Sure. Uh, sure. Yep. To give yourself a great chance for optimism starting in 2024. Yes. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about, because when when the, we found out that Jefferson tweaked the hamstring in the game, it was like, oh, that that might be a game or two. And then he goes on IR. When you're talking to people on the inside, people connected to the Vikings, is this and and take the record out of it for a second? Is this a three week hamstring, a four week hamstring? Are we talking about a six week hamstring? It's so it's at least four because he's on injured reserve. So by rule, it's at least four. But there's a lot of speculation that. He, so he's seeking like second opinions and oh. it's, it, and we just oh. kind of went through, we went through, I know you, when you seek a second opinion, it's like, well, I didn't like what the first doctor said. So <laughs> you don't usually like, I guess. you're like, Oh, that was such great news. Let me find a little <laughs> doom and gloom over in door number yeah. two. I was, I was talking to uh, my old radio co-host, Patrick Royce, uh, who, who's, I think he turned 78 years old here in a few weeks. And, and Patrick said he had a physical a few weeks ago with his doctor and his doctor told him, his doctor asked him, how many Diet Cokes are you drinking every day? And Patrick said, ah, probably, you know, 15. And the, do- and the doctor said, <laughs> you got to stop drinking so many Diet Cokes. And Patrick said, so you know what I did? I found a new doctor. <laughs> I think that's what Justin Jefferson's trying to do. But there's been, I know Schefter put out a tweet. I think it was Schefter who said, you know, hey. If the Vikings are losing, Jefferson didn't get the contract that he wanted before the season. You know, if let's say the Vikings are three and eight when his hamstring is ready to rock and roll, does it even make sense to come back? Now he's he's not that type of player. You know, he he participated in every snap of training camp when other players didn't who had contract situations. So I I think he's but I think just from an injury perspective, he's gonna be out for probably four to six weeks minimum, it sounds like. Is there a conversation going on that is supported by fans, supported by fans to just say, listen, assuming we're going to be two and six or two and seven or whatever, by the time he comes back, just shut him down. Yes. Yes. I think that's all part of the leaning into the opportunity here, which is 
the will the will ownership group the, i sound i sound like uh i sound like don west's old like uh home shopping network you know wax box ads or something but I think the the Wilf ownership group is so obsessed with being in the mix and relevant, middle of the road at worst. But where has that gotten the Vikings? You know, the Vi- I, I'm not advocating for bottoming out and winning three games on a regular basis. But you know, we've seen examples across sports. The San Antonio Spurs 25 years ago, really good competitive franchise. You know, they have kind of a weird season where David Robinson gets hurt, and they just kind of said, all right, well, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we took a step back for a minute, and then we get Tim Duncan in the in the lottery, right? Or the or the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, Peyton Manning's neck is kind of uh, messed up. Let's just take a breather here for a second. Boom, Andrew Luck, franchise back the next year, you know? So I don't think it has to be a multi-year tank. I don't think it has to be that you're incompetently run like some of these other franchises are, like the Bears, for instance, over the years. Just lean into it, man. Like it's not, like what's the value in winning eight games and clawing out of this hole and not making the playoffs? So we'll see what they wind up doing, I guess. I, I want to get to Kirk Cousins here in just a second, talking to Phil Mackey, score north out of the Twin Cities here, joining us on ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. Is he the most, last one on Jefferson specifically, is he the most beloved Minnesota athlete right now? Probably, but it's a there, there's a nice, debate a fun debate here because right now you've got justin jefferson sort of the figurehead of the vikings you've got royce lewis the former number one overall pick in the major league baseball draft who came in and hit a bunch of home runs in the postseason for the twins he helped the twins win their first playoff game in in eight 19 years and then on the hockey side you've got kirill kaprizov who's a 47 goal scorer for the wild and you got Anthony Edwards, who was just the best player in the FIBA World Cup for Team USA, leading the Timberwolves. So this is probably the, the best, in terms of like the figureheads of the four major men's professional sports teams, probably the best we've had it here in a long time. Well, let's talk about Kirk Cousins here for a second. Uh, it, it never lived up to the dollar amount. Won some games, good fantasy quarterback, but never got the team over the hump. What's the Kirk Cousins legacy, assuming he's not coming back? And I think you, I, and every Viking fan realizes he's going to be gone by the end of the year at the latest. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, Jake Glazer just floated out on Rich Eisen's show a couple of days ago that he thinks the Vikings want to still re-sign Kirk Cousins. And I'm just like, I just want to jump out of a fifth floor building when I hear that. Not, not because he's garbage or... You know, we get in all these dumb black and white debates in sports, and I it, it boils down to this for me. He was brought in in 2018 as the final piece to a championship puzzle, a team that went to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum the year before. That team had one of the best defenses in the NFL. You had Diggs and Thielen in their prime, Dalvin Cook in his prime. It was a ready-made Super Bowl contender, and they missed the playoffs in Cousins' first year. And they got back. They, they, won, a, they won a playoff game the next year, but that, like, they, they never got to the mountaintop that they planned to by signing him. And now the puzzle looks different, Mike. Like, it's not the same puzzle as the, you don't have the third best defense in the league anymore. You don't have two wide receivers that are both maybe top six in the NFL at the same time. You have Jefferson, but it's just not, it's not the same puzzle. And he's 35 years old now. And for most of his contract with the Vikings, he's been a top three or four cap hit. And that's going to be the case again next year if you pay him again. So, He's not, here's the problem. He's one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the world, but he's not good enough. He's not near the top of that list. He's not good enough to make up for the team's deficiencies that are created by his contract. Patrick Mahomes, all right, let's sign him, say goodbye to Tyree Kill, and still win a Super Bowl. You know, Kirk Cousins isn't that good. So I think the Vikings need to rebuild their house a little bit better and then go back to the draft and get a rookie scale contract quarterback and kind of go from there. Well, Phil, if it uh, brings you any joy, I, uh, as a Packers fan, would love to see Kirk Cousins locked up for four or five, maybe six more years. I think it would be a, oh, a, yeah. a great, great <laughs> move. And guarantee it. Get, like, give him the Deshaun Watson deal. You guarantee it for another quarter billion dollars. What's happened to – I mean, take the Jefferson injury out. Last year, I know it was obscene how many one-score games they won. They didn't lose any of them. But what's happened to the team, that this squad that won 13 games a year ago – they're what one in four? Is their record one in four? Yep, it's one in four. It's well, it's some of it's. Uh, I mean, some of it's just you can't walk a tightrope. They they were eleven and zero in one score games last year, 
they were never as good as the record indicated, but they were brilliant late in games and they, and they caught a ton of breaks late in games that, you know, when you're in a, when you're constantly in close games, you, you're then sort of at the mercy of like a third down play doesn't go your way and the outcome swings or a holding call doesn't go your way and the outcome swings or a missed kick or whatever it is. You know, somebody, one of our listeners, we do a segment called Feedback Friday on Purple Daily where uh, we just we just take questions and and people do their own research and they want it to be on the show. And there was a guy that did some research and said, the last time the Vikings truly blew a team out was in 2019. Wow. In like December of 2019. Since then, they've played exclusively one or two score games when they win. They've got They've gotten blown out a time or two. But that's their problem. The, dude, the 49ers have played five games. They have four blowout victories this year of three touchdowns or more. So to me, that's kind of the litmus test of, I'm not saying every win has to be a blowout, but if you can't blow anyone out in four years, are you really that good? Like, are you going to win every game coming down to the wire and executing a fourth quarter comeback? Probably not. And that's all coming back to bite them now. I actually think in a lot of ways, they're better this year than they were last year. And some of the metrics would show that too, but they're just not, you know, it's a, it's a dumb turnover or it's a ball that bounces the wrong way or something. And it's swinging these games so far this year. There is a promo there. There was a promo running on this radio station of me saying, welcome to your rebuild Viking fans, because (laughs) you know, Thielen gone and they got rid of the the linebacker and Kendricks who was older and Dalvin cook gone. Like, I think it was on the heels of Dalvin cook and the words or the the announcement he was going to get released. I know you don't want to talk about a rebuild or a tank, but they, you know, they they've gotten a little bit younger now with Jefferson and Addison and, you know, I, I'm still, for whatever reason, holding on to Cam Akers in three fantasy leagues, Phil. I think I'm an idiot. But they're they're getting younger. It's just not an easy transition, especially when you have the quarterback there in Cousins. Yeah, I actually don't think this has to be like they, they have. So they have, in terms of tradable assets, when it comes to, you know, stripping it down a little bit, Cousins is an expiring contract. I don't know that he would waive his no trade clause middle of the season. I think it's not like baseball where you can just take a reliever and put him on a new team or a hitter. And like you're talking about chemistry and systems and timing routes and everything. It's, it's really hard to just pull a quarterback to a new team. So I don't know that you can trade him midseason. but Daniel Hunter, the Jaguars have 11 draft picks. They could use some, some help on the edge. There's other teams like Daniel Hunter could be like a Von Miller or a Khalil Mack. Like think about the other edge rushers that have been franchise changers for teams. Um, You've got a, you've got KJ Osborne, a good solid sort of, you know, B minus wide receiver. You've got so you could make some of these trades, and you'd still have Christian Derisaw, franchise left tackle, twenty four years old. Jordan Addison, first round pick receiver last year, having an excellent rookie season. Justin Jefferson, Brian O'Neill is one of the best right tackles in the league. He's like twenty six years old. So you've got a lot of pieces to still build around, even if you take a little bit of a step back here before the trade deadline. I have made the prediction, and I don't know how it can possibly happen, but I think Kyler Murray is going to be your next quarterback. I don't know oh how it's going to happen. I think that dude is going to be your guy, Phil. You know what we could do? It'd be great for, like, you know, sponsorships and, and gatherings. We could hold, during the week, we could hold, like, Call of Duty parties where we all gather with <laughs> Kyler Murray, and he plays video games all week with the audience instead of studying film. You That'd know, that's what worries me about him. That would be yeah, wonderful. We Gonna put a yeah, you know, uh, we're we're about to sign Wicket to a new contract here, but you know, he doesn't really like to do his job. He likes to just play video games during his radio show. Hey, so not, uh, Phil, let's put Phil, something Phil. in his contract. Not too loud. I don't want anybody to know my secrets. <laughs> I spent half the year just looking at fantasy football websites. I don't want anybody to to think I'm actually paying attention to my job. Uh, continued success, my friend. The podcast is fantastic. Purple Daily. A lot of Viking fans here in Des Moines love hearing you talk about this squad and. Uh, continued failure for the team. As a Packers fan, I hope you finish. I hope you finish like with the ninth overall pick. That would be great. That way, May and Caleb are both gone by the time the Vikings are up. Like, like, it's great, great to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, we go back 15 years. I hope the Packers team bus gets T-boned, but not so that there's serious injuries. You know. <laughs> Phil, continued success, my friend. Thank you for coming on. All right, see you, Wicked. You can read them. 
on Twitter or X. Follow him at Phil Mackey. Uh, fine work with the boys up there. Score North for the podcast Purple Daily. He is Phil Mackey. Always a good time. There are a lot of things about the Minnesota sports scene we could talk with Phil about. Like, the, the T-Wolves are an interesting team. The Twins breaking the curse, interesting squad. And, of course, the Vikings and and whatever's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. And I know we got to get to a break. I 100% agree with Phil. There is, you, It's not like you trade a two-guard in the middle of the season to a team. His job is to hit threes. When you trade a quarterback in the National Football League, it's not easy to just say the Jets should go get Kirk Cousins or pick a team should go get Kirk Cousins. That doesn't fix a team's woes. That's why training camp is so important. That's why getting a guy, developing him it for, for years in camp and a full season is so important, especially if you're looking, let's say, for Garrett Wilson. Kirk Cousins is not going to come in for six games or eight games and have a connection with Garrett Wilson, you know, for the first month or maybe month and a half, and then your whole season just might be down the tubes anyway. It's not like you add a second baseman. Well, you know, like he said, you, you go out there, you field ground balls, you turn double plays, you hit the baseball. Quarterback is the hardest position in sports. It, it requires the most time, the most preparation, and the most time around the rest of your team to develop all of that. And you can't just say, ah, trade Cousins for a three. It doesn't work out nearly, nearly as well as you might think it will. All right, coming up, some fantasy football help, including what do you do if you've got Justin Jefferson on your team right now or Devin Ashan? All these injuries, brutal week for injuries. Andy Hall uh, is going to join us coming up next here on ESPN Des Moines. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Hey, coming up all weekend, live sports. Drake and St. Thomas kicks us off tomorrow. We have a quadruple header. We got... An SEC football game between Tennessee and Texas A&M here on ESPN Des Moines and then baseball afterwards. So 12 hours of live sports coming up tomorrow. We got an NFL game on Sunday. Kieran, you know an NFL game? I have the whole schedule in front of me. Niners-Browns coming up on Sunday, which all of a sudden there's no Deshaun Watson in that game. P.J. Walker getting the start for Cleveland. Hopefully you have San Francisco's defense and fantasy Speaking of which, joining us from Laser 103.3 and FantasyNation.com, Andy Hall is here. Andy, do you own Deshaun Watson or manage him in any of your fantasy teams? No, he was one of those guys that I had a black mark yes, through the yes. entire draft season because yes. I knew this was going to be a disaster. Couldn't have predicted what happened, obviously. But, I mean, it has not been good in no. Cleveland. Nothing has worked out aside from they've got a really good defense. That's about it. I have Cleveland and San Francisco's defenses in my in my dynasty league. And just you pick whoever has the better matchup and you just go with it. But what it has been an offensive disaster. They're calling it a bruised rotator cuff. And Watson, according to Kevin Stefanski, Watson chose to sit out last week's game. And then the, the, the GM came in and said, no, no, no. Mutual decision to keep him out of that game. Now we find out a couple of days early he's not going to go this weekend against the Niners. Yeah, and you know what this is all about. He doesn't want to face San Francisco. He's getting that money regardless. Yes. So that's what this is all about. It's a money play. And it sucks, though, if you like, if you drafted David Njoku or Amari Cooper or you drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones or any of these wide receivers and weapons for the Browns, what do you do with them? What a world of difference a few weeks makes yes. with Nick Chubb's injury and mm-hmm. Jerome Ford stepping in. They're coming off a bye, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. That's not going to help matters here where it normally would. No, no. Uh, we were just chatting with Phil Mackey from Score North, and the biggest story in the NFL this week is the Justin Jefferson story yeah. because of what it means for Minnesota, what it means for their their future. Their draft spot is up in the air right now. Their Their quarterback is up in the air right now. From a fantasy perspective, Jefferson was the number one pick, the consensus number one in most drafts. I think he went number one in my three drafts that I had. You, you, if you have IR, you obviously put him there. But do you try to trade? Would you try to trade Jeff, Justin Jefferson to see what you can get right now? I mean, you know, if you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole, probably. Yeah. But if you're up there in the upper echelons of your uh, league, no matter the scoring system, I think you, you probably just hold him, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you're a team that's, you know, one and four or two and three. And yeah. you think I could still theoretically turn this thing around. Maybe trading for some pieces that could help you out would be a smart move. And it probably, it's probably the guy who's five and oh, or four. And would one. you want that? Would you want to give up? Let's say you, you had a couple Jacoby Myers and Zach Moss were on your roster. And that was the offer. Would you take on Justin Jefferson to stash on your IR 
knowing you may not ever get to play him because they might shut him down. Yeah, see, that's the trick here. And, you know, I heard, Phil, he's a, I'm a big fan of his and a tough act to follow out, certainly. <laughs> They've got their finger on the pulse up there at Score North, yeah. Mike. And, and I'll tell you what, what I think is going to happen ultimately, and we, we heard about these second opinions and things, I think Jefferson's looking for a way to extend this absence. And then the question becomes the Kirk Cousins situation. And is Jefferson's time in Minnesota truly linked to having a proven commodity like Kirk Cousins? He's not going to want to work with some guy, you know, just stepping in. He doesn't want to work with Drake May. Out of the college ranks. I mean, you know, he wants somebody who's going to get him the rock, right? So then that opens up a whole other barrel of questions in Minnesota. So to answer your question, uh, you know, it's a tough thing, man. Jefferson, I, my opinion, I think Jefferson sits out much longer than the more than four, four weeks. Yeah, right. I think so. You've got Jefferson on your. You, you drafted a number one. He's gone for at least four. Who can you replace him with? Who's left on the waiver wire? Not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, look, you know, even the guys like Jordan Addison, who you know, probably benefit from the loss of Jefferson. He's going to see a much bigger target share going forward. He's already emerging as a rookie, and he's done a lot of really exciting things. Um, You're really going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel, though, in terms of guys that weren't drafted, because in most leagues, I think Addison's probably on somebody's roster. K.J. Osborne's probably already, already been picked up by somebody, if you're looking at Minnesota. And I think that's a good idea, because, well, A, Minnesota's going to be behind in a lot of games. Yeah, They're they gonna are. Be throwing a ton, and they don't really have much of a run game to lean on either. So, I mean, how many different Lions receivers can you add? Like, you keep going down that Lions list after, you know, the sun god is injured. You got Jamison Williams off the list, Khalif Raymond. There's a, there's like six guys named Reynolds on that roster. Yeah, even if you're looking to find that one, you know, shining spot on the Kansas City depth right. chart, yes. you know, those guys are all on somebody's roster too, uh, even if they're not performing. But it's all on potential here. So, Do you still have faith in Kirk Cousins to win you some fantasy football games? You know, I like Kirk Cousins a lot in terms of what he can provide for fantasy purposes. Uh, let's face it, he's got a lot of weapons in yeah. that offense. Even without Justin Jefferson, he's still got TJ Hawkinson there. He's got the emerging Addison, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. Osborne's a fine, you know, second or third receiver in that on that depth chart. Um, I like him in spots. I don't think he would be a set it and forget it guy, certainly. But you, know, you can play him against Chicago this week and feel pretty good. I think so, and I think Chicago. I mean, they're trending up right now. Justin Fields specifically is playing a lot better and facing that Minnesota defense. I see a lot of opportunities there for him. So Chicago could jump out to a lead. Their Minnesota could abandon the run game, and it's all Kirk Cousins from then on out. Why do I have Cam Akers on any of my rosters? I have no idea. All right, FantasyNation.com's Andy Hall joining me in studio here on ESPN Des Moines. Brutal week for injuries. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we talked about. Daniel Jones ruled out. Tyrod Taylor's going to get the start. It's a revenge game for Tyrod against the Bills this weekend. Uh, Devon Ashan, Anthony Richardson. I mean, this sucks. It's not fun. (laughs) No, and we have these conversations every year in fantasy football, but I don't know if I remember a year where it feels like we're only five weeks in at this point. We've lost so many marquee players to some season-ending injuries, but certainly these guys that are being put on IR and expected to be gone for at least four weeks. Who do you pick up behind Devin A. Shan? Obviously, Raheem Mostert's probably been rostered, but do you go with the Salvin Ahmed? Do you like Jeff Wilson here? Yeah, Jeff Wilson's the guy that I'm probably targeting. Uh, He's a guy that's a a proven commodity in Miami where Ahmed's kind of just kind of been here and there when the opportunity's been given to him. But, you know, then again, the coach uh, there in Miami, he's... uh, I he's, like Mike he's McDonald. Tough. He's a he's tough guy to crack. Dude. I'm not sure how to read him, honestly. But Jeff Wilson now coming back into the fold and practicing mm-hmm. and then eventually getting back onto the field again, I think will be the compliment going forward to Raheem Mostert. Anthony Richardson out. Another injury for him is Gardner Minshew, who's going to get the start now for the Colts for the foreseeable future. Is he a guy you can win some some fantasy weeks with? Potentially. It depends on the matchup. He's definitely a streaming option if you're in a tough spot or maybe your main guy is on a bye week. I think Minshew's a guy you can look to plug in in certain matchups, only when it looks favorable on paper. Otherwise, I'm not a, you know somebody who's a firm believer in a guy that like Minshew who can step up and play good against these really, really good defenses, you know. If you are a manager of Jonathan Taylor or still of Zach Moss, you got you know you don't like Anthony Richardson getting hurt, but he's they're gonna get more opportunities. Oh yeah, tons. Yes. And we saw last week that Zach Moss is not disappearing no. by any stretch of the imagination. They're gonna ease Jonathan Taylor back in, get him up to game speed, and that's gonna take a couple of weeks. So 
I spe- I think especially now with Richardson out four weeks, mm-hmm. I think they lean even heavier on that running game. So as you alluded to, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for both guys, and I think both will thrive in that Colts offense. A great offensive line. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, so those of us, I drafted Jonathan Taylor sixth round in one draft. I, I didn't get any, anything out of him last week, barely. Like you said, they're easing him in. But if you're patient with Taylor, who says he's 100%, you got to feel pretty good about him now. Oh, yeah. You got to feel real good about Jonathan Taylor. Going back to what I just said about that offensive line and mm-hmm. their quarterback situation, there's just, you know, he's a guy that's going to get his opportunities. Eventually, he'll probably end up getting the lion's share over a Zach Moss. But, you know, do expect Zach Moss to be involved still. Do you trade Zach Moss? Do you sell high on Zach Moss right now while maybe you still can get some of that value? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the composition of your roster and where you're at in the standings right now. I like Zach Moss as a commodity. I, I want him on my roster right now. Um, I'm not looking to deal him unless I absolutely have to. Future Green Bay Packers, Zach Moss. What about uh, Joe Burrow? Hey, the, Kira awesome. waited. Our producer, Kira, you wait. He had a great game last week. Kira, did you start him? No. Who'd you start? Uh, Jordan Love. Not good, oh. Kara. Not good. Like a dummy. <laughs> Not good, Like Kara. an absolute idiot, Wicket. Uh, I, yeah. I, I trusted you, Wicket. This one's not me. This one's. I wasn't here last week to tell you <laughs> to start, Burrow. That's my fault. I'm going to take the blame for this one. Uh, but now Burrow looks pretty healthy. Yes. And who does this benefit all over that Cincinnati offense. Well, I think everybody, yeah. obviously, Jamar Chase is the obvious answer, and we won't see him do what he did last week I every so. week. I hope so. You know, but uh, similarly in Chicago, you know, DJ Moore stepping up. Uh, I talked about Fields and how he's uh, looked to improve his arrows up. So, I mean, that's going to benefit guys like DJ Moore and eventually Roshan Johnson. I missed on that one a couple of weeks ago. He's getting, he's banged up. Khalil Herbert's banged up. Is Dante Foreman a viable starting option this week? No, I no, he's no. got to be the guy to get the, somebody's got to get the carries. I know, but it, well, who's going to be carrying the ball? It's going to be Justin Fields. Fields. Yeah, Justin Fields, hundred percent. Yeah, one one hundred percent. So back to the Bengals. I didn't yeah. mean to sidestep no, that, right. but you know, I think everybody benefits as long as they're healthy. We, you know, T. Higgins has been dealing with some some issues injury wise, but you know, this is definitely not just going to benefit the passing game, but also I think Joe Mixon in the backfield. And he's a guy that's had a pretty slow start. Dude, I think I saw a stat like. The most rushing yards the Bengals have had all year are 70 in a game or something along those lines. Like, how can you win football games if you're not giving the ball to the very talented Joe Mixon? I think if defenses knew that Joe Burrow was less than 100% and saw that for through the first couple of weeks of the season, they really kind of, like, put the extra pressure on, mm-hmm. on him. And it didn't benefit Joe Mixon because, you know, they're basically telling him, hey, you beat us, Joe. Yeah. You beat us. One-legged and, Joe Mixon, or Joe uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. And he and he hasn't been able to do that up until last week. So um, now I think it's a different ballgame in Cincinnati. FantasyNation.com on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio and hear him later this afternoon on Laser 103.3. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Andy Hall in studio. Coming up, it's the same old song with the Chiefs, right? We've done this before. I'll explain next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. We have 12 hours of live sports for you tomorrow. Two football games, two baseball games, and then on Sunday we'll have the uh, have done another doubleheader for you: Niners and Browns, followed by Rangers and Astros. Before I get out of here at one o'clock, I do have to talk about the latest entry to my "Are we really complaining about this list?" Basically, it's like the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift conversation that everybody is so mad about, and I don't quite get why everybody is angry. Um, and I. I don't get why people are mad about baseball, but I'll get to that in a moment. Last night in, I don't know what, Thursday night football games, usually I get very excited, very excited because it's kicking off the week, you know, Friday, kind of a weekend feel. Last night, Chiefs-Broncos was, I don't want to say unwatchable, but it wasn't exactly the most fun football game in the world to watch. It was actually kind of boring. And you wouldn't have expected that. I mean, you, you've you got Denver, who has just been, in, been getting trucked. Their defense gave up 70 a couple of weeks ago. You had uh, the Bears last week throw all over them. Or that was against the, the, 
The Bears were two weeks ago, threw all over them. And the Broncos have shown no life, no life whatsoever. And I don't know, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with the future of Russell Wilson. Sean Payton, I called the most overrated hire in the National Football League this offseason because Sean Payton is basically Mike McCarthy. That's pretty much it. Like, you had a Hall of Fame quarterback and you got one Super Bowl. Now, he won it. McCarthy won his with Rodgers and the Packers in uh, January of 2011. And Sean Payton won his, what, about five, six, seven years ago, whatever year that was, with Drew Brees. And I realize it's year one. I understand that. And there's a lot of time left. But the early returns make me realize that maybe Nathaniel Hackett, who was in over his head, I think we all know that, maybe Nathaniel Hackett wasn't as horrible a coach with this roster, all right? 19-8. It's the second time in the history of the league we've had a 19-8 game. Did you know that? 19-8, the final score. The last time we had a 19-8 game, I believe, was 1927. I did not know that until I read the story about the game. So it's not like I have every game memorized. Not that big of a nerd. Um, and you expected, I was just talking to Andy, who was in here t- doing some fantasy football. You would have expected Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball all over and have a monster game. Now, he threw for 300 yards, had a touchdown and a pick. He wasn't bad. He was good. wasn't great. But this was going to be the defense that you thought that the Chiefs are going to be able to move the football all over the field. And then they did at times. And and it's tough, though, when you have those those early struggles on the in the beginning of games where you're not getting six and you're not running up the score on a team you're supposed to be running the score up on. Patrick Mahomes knows that you got to just keep on pushing. So I can't let maybe a drive or two that we didn't get in the end zone affect the full scope of the entire game. That's something I've learned in my career. And so instead of trying to press or do something crazy or scramble around and do something, I'm just going to keep pushing and taking it one play at a time to, to move the ball down the field. I know that if, if our defense is playing that well, if I can just continue to put just points on the board, uh, we're going to win the football game. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. Remember last year without Tyreek Hill, the beginning of the year, the conversation, this is the same conversation about the Chiefs offense that we had last year that we're having right now, all right? This is just what happens with Kansas City. When you lost Tyreek Hill, you lost your deep vertical threat. Nobody believes in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't that guy last year, all right? Sky Moore did nothing his rookie season until the Super Bowl, and Rashi Rice is a rookie, although I really like that dude. He's a red zone. He's going to be a red zone target, I'm telling you. But what you're seeing in a lot of these games is the same thing you saw last year at the beginning of the year, and that is playing two safeties deep, playing deep coverage against Mahomes and company. Because while Kelsey is a just, he's a god on the football field and everything underneath, everything 15 yards and in, Kelsey just goes and he doesn't even run the routes. He just kind of finds a spot, gets himself in a soft spot in that zone, and he and Mahomes have such chemistry. You know, we talk about Kirk Cousins earlier. You can't just throw Kirk Cousins into a new roster and expect him to have chemistry. The chemistry is knowing where a guy's going to be, knowing a guy's tendencies. When you're the receiver, knowing that, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to go this way, and the quarterback's going to know, even though it's a little bit off script. That's what Mahomes and Kelsey have. And that's everything 15, 20 yards and in. There really is no deep threat on this team. They don't have anybody with speed. They don't have anybody that they can just send on go routes. They don't have anybody that can stretch the field consistently. Once in a while, Valdez-Scantling does that, but he's not Tyreek Hill. Who is? So that's something I think that Kansas City is trying to figure out. Now, they did this exact same thing a year ago. It was all about the two high safeties and and trying to figure out, is Tyreek Hill going to be able, Tyreek Hill, is Patrick Mahomes going to be able to find guys open underneath that shell, underneath that umbrella? Here's what Mahomes said about seeing a lot of that deep coverage this year. I think we're getting uh, more coverage than even I've expected. And, and I know we said that kind of a couple years back, but I mean, there's a lot of deep coverages and it's forcing us to be patient and drive the length of the field. And I think teams are just with the young guys and, and trying to integrate them. They're going to say, we're going to make you drive the field and score touchdowns. Um, and I thought we did a good job driving the field. We just didn't score the touchdowns today. They're trying to paper cut you to death. And you know, Mahomes wants to throw it deep every so often. He's not a guy that can't throw it. 15 yards or nine yards out or some sort of horizontal route behind blockers. No, he's the greatest. I believe when he's done playing, he's going to be the goat. He's your future goat. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented thrower of the football ever. Brady is the goat with the resume, but I think it'll be Mahomes as future goat. But 
Mahomes wants to be able to throw the ball 30, 40 yards, sidearm falling down like he's been doing, like the Mahomes magic, because he's just incredible out there. They can't do it yet. And they couldn't do it through six weeks of the season last year either, that first month of the season last year either, when they were trying to find a replacement, an offensive replacement, not a single guy, but a whole offensive makeup to replace Tyreek Hill. They don't have that yet. They're very young. They still have MVS, but he's not, again, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a three. They don't have a one. They're trying to figure out what is Sky Moore's role in all of this? What is uh, Kadarius Toney's role in all of this? What is Rashi Rice's role in all of this? They're trying to figure out how to move the football down the field, still take deep shots, but they don't have anybody to do that yet. And with all that being said, they're five and one. Think about that. You're like, the Chiefs don't look right. The offense doesn't look right. I, I don't think you would put Mahomes in the conversation for MVP right now. Their defense is young, but they're playing really well. They're 5-1 and one still. Red zone woes for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's kind of how they've been playing all, all season on offense where they're able to move the ball, but certain places on the field, things aren't clicking well. So we know what the Chiefs have in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I think they're waiting for other people to kind of emerge outside of those two where that offense will, will start to click more and more. But to be 5-1 and one and to not be playing perfect football or high-level football offensively for them, I actually think it's not a bad position to be in. I wish my Packers were 5-1. and one. They're not. <laughs> Kansas City, where you can say, man, they don't look right. Don't you wish, and if you're not a Chiefs fan, this applies to you, whatever team you root for. Don't you wish your team could look not right and you're still 5-1? and one? Like, wouldn't that be great? I mean, my Packers look terrible the last couple of weeks. I wish I could say, well, they look terrible, but they're 5-1. and one. No, the Chiefs don't look right, but they're still 5-1 and one with Mahomes and Andy Reid and two and a half months of the season to figure it all out. They're going to be just fine. That was ESPN's Damian Woody, by the way. But then there's the other side of this coin. The Denver Broncos. They're 1-5, and five, all right? Russell Wilson through four. Let me check my notes. Do we have a magnifying glass in here? 95 yards. An NFL quarterback. One you would argue could probably go to the Hall of Fame. One of the best quarterbacks of the last 15 years in the NFL. Threw for 95 yards in a game. How did that happen? I'll tell you how. Because Russ is cooked with Sean Payton. I don't know if Russ were to go elsewhere or if someone else were to come in and Russ would be better. I have no idea. I knew Russ was cooked last year. You probably did too. I'm not telling you anything you did not know. Now, Russ has had some pretty decent games this year. And maybe Kansas City just had his number. Hell, the Chiefs have won 16 in a row over Denver. All right? But it is unfair. There's very little in this world that surprises me, especially in sports, that I'm just blown away by. But for Russell Wilson... To complete 13 of 22 passes for 95 yards, that surprises me. He was hard to watch yesterday. Threw a couple of picks, had a touchdown pass. Denver, as a whole, was tough to watch. Here's Russ. We had some really good things, and then obviously the two turnovers by me is unacceptable. We can't happen. You know, the, uh, the first one, you know, try to get the Jerry over top of the guy, and he made a play. And then um, the second one, obviously, they, they you know, tipped it up in the air, which is unfortunate because we had a good play on. But, you know, it, I thought we, we kept battling, we kept believing. We did a good job getting all the way down the field to, to make the game, you know, eight-point game. And unfortunately, it just didn't go our way at the end. No, it did not. Russ trying to accept some blame there. Things didn't go. We, I screwed up. That's the right thing to do. Meanwhile, here's his angry head coach, Sean Payton. It wasn't good enough. And then there's a handful of things, plays that I even called that I look back on oh. and, and was anticipating one thing and, and got something else. So we've got to be better there. I mean, to win in our league, you got to be better throwing the ball, especially, you know, I don't think the wind was that big of a factor. Oh, the end of that, of that comment. To win in this league, you have to be better throwing the ball. And then he knocks out the windy excuse. Does anybody believe this marriage is going to last more than one year, right? Like Russ and Sean Payton not going to work. And, you know, we were just talking about the Vikings a second ago. And there's been a lot of conversation about the Bears being at the top of the, uh, the draft. The Vikings now with Jefferson, are they going to tank? What are they going to do? 
the Broncos right now are in a really weird situation. They owe Russell Wilson a lot of money. A lot of money. They sent him a couple of year extension. I think he's owed another $40 million on the fifth day of next year's NFL calendar. But they're one in five. And they look one in five. Like nothing about this team looks good. They are in full sell mode before the NFL trade deadline in a couple of weeks. You could see Jerry Judy get traded. You could see Samarje Pirine get traded if he's healthy. I don't know, you're, you're not going to be able to find anybody to take Russell Wilson. Plus, I think the cap hit is just would be a death knell. You're not going to do that. But Denver, come April, could be at the top of that draft. I mean, do you see them winning it? I know they play the Packers next, and there's a real good shot they win that game. But, Dak, but you can see Denver at the top of that draft. You can see Denver trying to figure out Caleb Williams or Drake May or bargaining with some other team that wants to move up and is a quarterback away. Maybe it's Minnesota that that makes a deal or whatever, and Denver kind of punts on the next two years. Or what? I, I don't know. Not 100% sure. One more here from Damian Woody, because even he would agree. This mix, this Sean Payton-Russell Wilson thing, not working. Listen, I know Russell Wilson getting paid a lot of money, but I don't think their styles are compatible. You know, Sean Payton is kind of like a time and rhythm guy we had with Drew Brees all those years down in New Orleans. And Russell Wilson has been a guy that's been one of the best deep ball throwers in the National Football League. It's, it's hard seeing those two guys mesh. Uh, we'll see over time. But right now, it, I don't think it looks promising. I have a feeling Denver will move on from their quarterback before they move on from their head coach. That's my guess. I think Russ will be elsewhere next year. I don't know where. I think Sean Payton will still be in Denver. You don't want to be the franchise that fired your head coach after one year in back-to-back years. That's a disaster. The trade for Russell Wilson has been a disaster for Denver. It has not worked out. You know what it's worked out for? Seattle. (laughs) Tell me it has not worked out for Seattle. They're using picks. They're getting better. Team we thought was going to be a joke last year. Playoffs this year. Playoffs maybe. We'll see. They added Jackson Smith and Jigba, and they... Uh, took out uh, the Witherspoon kid out of Illinois who had a pick six last week. Like Seattle, all of a sudden, looks like they're set up for success for the next five years. Coming up next, I have a list of things that I don't understand or I'm sick of hearing people complain about. So I'm going to complain about the complainers because something has popped up all over sports. I'll tell you what doesn't bother me next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. What's up? Happy Friday! Happy Friday the thirteenth to you. Just got the worst text. My uh, two of my kids have now popped fevers. For according to my nanny. It's going to be a real great weekend at the Wicked House. Can't wait. Uh, my mom and my stepdad are in town, too. So welcome welcome to Des Moines from Detroit. Welcome to Des Moines. Exciting. To, my kids got fevers. Great. Cannot wait for that. That's going to be fun. Um, so there is something going on, and I don't understand it. You know, when, when something happens in sports... We always have to change the rule. We have to scream and yell about change the rule. You know, we're about to go from four to 12 teams in the college football playoff. You know who's going to be really mad every single year? Team 13. Team 13 is going to be really mad about it. Then we have to change the rule because one loss, Boise is 13th in the nation. And then we got to change the rule. Then we'll be happy at 16. But you know who's going to be upset? Team 17. No one's ever actually happy, all right, with sports and the rules. So if you look at Major League Baseball in the playoffs, we are getting ready for the ALCS and the NLCS. And in those two, we will not see the 104-win and World Series defending champion. I'm sorry, the 104-win Atlanta Braves, the 101-win Baltimore Ravens, the 100-win Los Angeles Dodgers, the 99-win Tampa Bay Rays, and the 92-win Milwaukee Brewers. Now, the Brewers were eliminated round one. All right? They're done. They don't really count. But in this, 
in the DS, in the division series. I think Tampa was gone too, all right, in the wild card. But in the ALDS and the NLDS, we lost Atlanta, Baltimore, and the Dodgers. And the reason why people are so upset about losing Atlanta, Baltimore, and L.A., and the people who are most mad are fans of Atlanta, Baltimore, and L.A., the three winningest teams in baseball this year. 305 wins with those three teams combined. They were bounced. With the playoff format, you had teams that got buys, all right? Teams that had time off. The the Orioles had five days off. The Braves had five days off. You had all these teams with the uh, with with buys that got rusty. Really? These teams got rusty? And I hear people say, and I've been listening to this for two days now, baseball is an everyday sport. You get those guys out of their routine, they're not going to be able to get back into game time. Cry me a river. You tell me that when the Braves won their 104th game and locked up the, the National League East, you're telling me that those guys weren't looking forward to five days off? Those players? Baseball is a grind. It is 162 games over 190 days or whatever. It is a grind. I guarantee you that the players on Atlanta, Baltimore, were excited to get a, a bye. They were thrilled to not have to play that wild card weekend. All right? They loved that. Because now, what do we have? We've got the Rangers and the Astros. We got the Phillies and the Braves. Is that right? No. Rangers and the Astros. And we've got the Snakes. Who else we got? I don't know. I can't. I've lost all track. Our schedule is wrong. Our schedule still has the Braves here. <laughs> so it's oh, and the Phillies. So it's amazing to me that we are looking at this right now, screaming, we need to change the format. Change the format. How about you just play better, all right? How about you play better? It's Phillies and Diamondbacks, two teams that were middle of the pack. Diamondbacks were the sixth seed. They had went to Milwaukee and won a couple of times up at uh, Miller Park, or whatever they call it now. Phillies eliminated the Braves. How about this? If you have that five days, use it to rest. If you're banged up, you're hurt, you use it to rest. If normally your pitcher goes every five days or you're trying to get them back on the cycle, have them throw a simulated game. Have them so their arm stays where it's supposed to be. I hate hearing how we have to change the rules of baseball two years into this new format, which, by the way, isn't going to change anytime soon. Manfred, the commissioner, has already come out and said, we're not changing this. We're only two years in. We're not going to make any changes to, to our format. That's not going to happen. Last year, two teams that got buys made it to the championship series. So last year's data is fine. This year's data, oh, we hate it. The people, again, who are the loudest are Atlanta reporters, Baltimore reporters, Dodger reporters. They're the ones that are yelling and screaming. And then I heard on this radio station, Mike Greenberg say, well, what if we did a best of seven series, but the Dodgers started with one win? Come on, man. We we put somebody on second base the whole time for the Dodgers, too? Are you kidding? Then I hear, we need to make the wildcard series five games, and then the National League Championship Series or the DS, those series, the Divisional Series, those have to be seven games. Baseball season is long enough, all right? The World Series goes into November. You'll be able to hear every game of the World Series right here on ESPN Des Moines, by the way. Uh, Any... If we need to make these five-game series now seven-game series and these two-game series, three-game series, now five-game series, so we can avoid the upsets, you might as well get ready for the World Series to be played on Christmas Day or Thanksgiving because it's ridiculous for anybody to suggest, suggest this. How about this? Play better. Get rested. You're in your ballpark. Play well, all right? Get yourself hyper-focused, whatever the case may be. It's just ridiculous to me for anybody to suggest, suggest, well, you know what we got to do? We got to expand this or whatever. 
baseball expanded the playoffs, some more teams would have a chance. Now, I don't want to see it as 16. I think it's fine at 12. Might be a little big, but that's where we're at right now. You know who really loves it? The owners. Maybe not the owners of the Braves, the Baltimore Orioles, or the L.A. Dodgers, but the owners. You know why? More games, more rounds, more teams in, more TV, more money. It always comes back to more money. That is legitimately why the playoff format is the way that it is right now. And back to the upset thing. Why is it that we love Cinderella in March, but we hate Cinderella in October? I mean, isn't it cool when we get a 12 seed that wins three games in the NCAA tournament over the course of a week and they get to the Elite Eight? Don't we love that? Don't we love seeing the little guy come out of the Mid-American Conference or some other small conference and 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 get VCU wins a play-in game and then they get to the next round and then they get to the next round. All of a sudden, VCU's in the Final Four with Shaka Smart. Isn't that what we love? Why is it different for baseball? Why don't we love the Diamondbacks getting in the World Series? Why isn't that cool? The sixth seed. It's like that. It, it Usually, the cream rises to the crop in professional sports and in the playoffs. All right? Usually, the one seeds beat in the Super Bowl. The ones or the twos. Last year, it was both ones. Chiefs in the AFC. Eagles in the NFC. Weren't they the ones? If not, they were the ones in the twos or whatever. That's usually what happens. NBA, this year was weird with the Miami Heat. That was a great eight seed. They didn't belong in the finals, but they did their thing. They turned it on when it mattered. You know who turned it on when it mattered so far? Arizona, Philadelphia, Texas, Houston. The four teams that remain in Major League Baseball, they turned it on when it mattered. Don't change the rules because an 84-win team is going to be playing for the right to go to the World Series. Tell your 104-win Atlanta Braves team who just won a World Series. Tell your 101-win Baltimore Orioles team who finally came back to the party. Tell them, this: you can't let this happen again next year. You win 101 games, guess what? You better enjoy that five-day break. But when you get back to playing in Major League Baseball's playoffs, you better bring it. Don't the one seeds usually get to the Stanley Cup Finals? Isn't that usually? Hockey's weird, though. The eight seed can get a hot goalie and make it all the way to the conference finals. Look, every, I can admit, everybody gets into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hey, half the league gets in. <laughs> but as long as but, if yes. you catch that hot goalie in the yes. NHL, it doesn't matter if you won 40 games or 52 games. If you have a hot goalie, God, I watched so many hot goalies blow up my Red Wings chances at Stanley Cups in the 90s. Every single, Grant Fuhr, Martin Brodeur, uh, who was the dude for the Ducks, who had a really long Russian name. I can't even remember his name. They all do. Couldn't even remember. But you get that hot, hot goalie, and all of a sudden, you can't win a one nothing game with your 60 shots on goal. Hockey's weird. Hockey's very strange. So don't change the rules just because the Dodgers and the Orioles, the Braves are upset. Play better. Relax. Get yourself focused and, and be the professionals that you are. My thanks to Phil Mackey for coming on the show today. Andy Hall as well. If you missed it, podcast it at ESPNDesMoines.com. My name is Mike Wickett. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for listening.